Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. This is part two of a two-part episode on boundaries, being your authentic self. This episode picks up right where we left off in episode 236, part one. And so if you haven't already listened to that episode, I suggest you go back and listen to that first. Part two will make more sense if you do that. And so without any further delay, we'll just lead you right in to part two. And so a boundary, the ability to say no, the ability to take a stand, helps maintain your alignment with what matters most to you helps you maintain alignment with your guiding principles, your highest priorities of life. And my friend, this is the metaphor that I have in my mind, and it's rather, I find it uh, disgusting. I'll just say it. I find this disgusting. See, you're either living your life or you are someone else's puppet. If you're dancing to someone else's tune, you're not living your life. You're living somebody else's idea of what your life should be. And how do you know you might be doing that? Well, it's probably self-evident, but the other feeling might be, again, resentment, contempt. There's also a feeling that you just can't be yourself. You withhold. You don't want to be too much. If someone really knew how you felt, they would be hurt. And so rather live a boundary, take a stand, you acquiesce. You give in to other people's wants and needs, and you're not living your life. You're not as happy, satisfied, or joyful as you could be. Now, this is what stops a lot of people, again, from actually exercising boundaries, putting boundaries in place, is because they they feel like if they put a boundary down, the other person might leave, the other person might walk away. Well, yeah. And if they do, then you know that they were not your people. They were not there to respect you. They were there only because you were showing up the way they wanted you to. They didn't have the capacity to honor your boundary. They didn't have the capacity to actually respect who you wanted or how what you wanted for your life. If you establish a boundary and someone else leaves, that's a good thing. In fact, I think you should do that early on. See, these people, these people that go dating, and I was one of them once upon a time, I was single, I put myself out there, and I was afraid if I was too rigid, if I stated what my boundaries were too fast, that people would leave, which would have been a good thing. But at the time, I didn't think it was a good thing. It felt like rejection. It felt like they were rejecting me. No, they're just not a match. They're not a match for you. And so what happened is I would put myself in relationships that weren't a good fit, and probably to, you know, I could get through it and, you know, I could make it work for a couple months, three months. And then it, the differences just became more and more apparent. Just didn't work until finally I had to say, this doesn't work for me. And and once I gave my excuse or gave my reason or my rationale, it flew in the face of how I was being the two, three months before that. And so they're left with a feeling like it was an illusion. Well, in some ways it was, they wanted to see what they wanted to see. I wanted to see what I wanted to see in them. 
sometimes I would not ask a question because I knew what the answer was. I knew that it would probably end the relationship. And women have done the same thing with me. They knew what my boundary was, but they didn't state what their boundary was. They didn't say that their boundary did not match mine. You see, it's all this pretending, pretending to be attractive, pretending to to fit into somebody else's world when you really don't. That's because you haven't established a boundary. Because for one reason or another, you think that if somebody leaves, if someone doesn't like who you are, if you're really yourself, that in some way it's rejection. It's a reflection on your value as a person. No, they just left because they couldn't honor who you are. And this works not only for relationships. Sometimes it's jobs. Sometimes it's careers. Sometimes employers demand things of you that compromise your values, compromise your boundaries. And I also realize that sometimes from an economic sense, you need the job. And so that need for money, need to put food on the the table is more important at that moment than your values, more important than the boundaries that's being, that are being transgressed. And again, this works in relationships, in career. Sometimes you can state your boundaries and you can negotiate. You can actually decide which are firm boundaries, hard boundaries, a hard no, hard yes, a deal breaker, or which ones are negotiable. What aspects are negotiable? And sometimes, you know, I've I've taken my boundaries, put them on the back burner for a situational circumstance. You can't necessarily be hard line all the time. You have to have a little flex. But if it's continual, if it's ongoing, persistent, pervasive, then you need to make a decision. Do I leave? Do I look for someone new? Do I look for a new job? You see, these decisions are actually best served before you encounter the circumstance, thinking through it, thinking ahead. Predetermine what is going to be your response if someone dishonors this boundary. And I have to admit, this is actually a place where it's really good to have a coach to have that objective point of view to kind of play out to different scenarios. You can do that also in your head, but it it takes a little work, some self-reflection, and actually looking at the worst case scenario and then be willing to take action on it. See, there was a time when I was a courier at FedEx, there was a a new manager came in and um, they made it really uncomfortable to work there. They had unrealistic demands, they were micromanaging it, and they were willing to fire people left and right. And during this time, I actually really disliked my job. As I pulled up to the station, if this manager's car was in the lot, it's like, oh no, I, I would have this, um, this immediate sense of dread. If it wasn't there, maybe I could get out of the building with very little discomfort. Whether or not their car was there was kind of determined whether or not it was going to be a good day or not. And this went on for months. And poor Greg, poor Greg was a friend of mine. And every now and then I'd run into him and he would ask, how's work? And to him, that was just a, a question. And then I would complain and unload on him and probably talk nonstop for 30 minutes. He couldn't get rid of me. And he'd say things like, is it really that bad? And I was like, oh, it's horrible. And I knew I was complaining. I knew I, I knew he was uncomfortable, but I couldn't stop myself. It's like word vomit was coming out. And I would, he would, <laughs> I felt so bad now because I would do that. He would actually invite me 
to talk about it. And then I would see him again after, you know, a week or two, and he would unconsciously ask the same question. So how's work? And I knew he would see it. As soon as he asked the question, he was sorry he asked me, because then I would unleash another series of word vomit about how horrible it was. Well, it was after one such exchange with him, it wasn't really exchange, uh, he asked a question and I, I talked for 30 minutes, complained for 30 minutes. Well, I went home afterwards and I really asked, I really asked myself, is it really that bad? Is it really as bad as I'm making it out to be? I was definitely uncomfortable. I definitely did not like my job during that time. But I can remember sitting in my living room, just kind of playing over the conversation, playing over what was going on. And I said, this is kind of unbearable. How long can I sustain this? I was reflecting. And then I said to myself, you know what? I could quit. I can always quit. I'm very employable. I can find another job. Even if I get fired, I can find another job. See, my all, all my uncomfortableness was I didn't want to get fired. And that was the threat. That was the motivating factor. That's how this person operated, threatened you with your job, lose your job, either do what I say or lose your job. And what made it unbearable is that the requests weren't even grounded in reality. They had no real concept of what went on out on the road. But in that moment, when I decided that, okay, they fire me, I can get another job. If I don't like it, I can quit. Suddenly, the hold that they had over me went away. There was a consequence. I had a boundary. There, would o- there was only so much abuse I was willing to take. And I knew that I was getting close. If there was one more request, and I really, really didn't like it, I didn't think it was fair, I'd, whatever, I, I could quit right then and there. In that moment, I was no longer the victim. I had choice. And I actually became more vocal, more, I gave more feedback to this manager. I can remember being given instructions, this is how the day was supposed to go, and it wasn't realistic. And I responded, why don't you go out and do it? You do the job. And they said, why does everyone keep saying that to me? I, I just shook my head. I said, well, your requests are not grounded in reality. Every time you make the request you make and you hear that, the way we're perceiving it is that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And that if you were to put yourself in a truck and handle the number of stops and packages that are on that truck, you could not do it. They just stood there and looked at me, processing what I just said. And then they asked, humbly, what do you need today to get this done? That changed our entire relationship. But that would not have happened had I not set the boundary. Now, even though our relationship shifted for the better, they actually came to me on a regular basis asking for feedback. They ended up getting fired about six months later. So in the workplace, there's a number of boundaries that are in place. It could be demand for time, demand for overtime, demand for communication on your off time. It could be inappropriate conversations, inappropriate innuendo, in, you know, advances. And either it's a relationship or a career, sometimes it's difficult to foresee all the, all the circumstances where you would need a boundary. 
because many times you don't know you need a boundary until you can reflect back on it. In hindsight, the stop sign is never put at the corner until there's a death, until there's several deaths. Seldom are the safety protocols put in place before or in anticipation of a problem. It's usually only after there's a problem. Sometimes establishing a new boundary means setting a new standard for yourself, actually deciding, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. And so in reflecting on your life, what circumstances, what feeling states are you tolerating in your relationships? What arguments, what dynamics are you tolerating? Which ones leave you drained? Which ones leave you feeling less than, less capable, less lovable, less valued? Again, boundaries are those rules that you put in place for yourself. It's setting a new standard, the things that you will not tolerate. It's not for other people. It's not to manage other people. It's to manage your own life. It's to manage your responses. It's to provide safety for the integrity of your well-being, both mental and physical. Now, I want to briefly state the different areas where you can have boundaries, where boundaries can go. And we do talk about this in that first module, the Crash Course on Boundaries, that free training at yesdaniel.com. But the different areas where you can have a boundary, you can have physical boundaries, you can have sexual boundaries. They're different. A physical boundary can be something like no hugging, no unsolicited touching, uh, perhaps a need for greater personal space. A sexual boundary could be something as far as when it happens, with who it happens, how often it happens, what types of activity. You see, in the sexual arena, a lot of boundaries, a lot of wants and needs uh, are never spoken. It's gone without saying. There's a lot of assuming going on, typically out of shame or embarrassment or potential rejection. People are silently dissatisfied, unsatisfied, resentful, disgusted, or simply have waning interest because they don't feel like they will be satisfied. It's not a win-win. In addition to the physical and sexual boundaries, there's mental and emotional. There's financial boundaries, deciding how you're going to handle your finances. At what point you know, do you discuss spending? Which accounts do you spend from? Can I have my own account? There's lots of boundaries you can set around finances that would alleviate a lot of arguments. There's also boundaries around space, you know, having private space, respected space, being able to get away. For instance, there's boundaries around my office. My wife knocks before she comes in because I'm probably recording or I'm talking to a client. If she needs something, she usually texts. And then I also have boundaries around my phone. My phone is typically on do not disturb. And so just about every call that comes in goes to voicemail. And then, as I've mentioned before, I typically get up, you know, around 4 a.m. And I like that time in the morning just for me. The kids aren't up. And the, the other morning, this is a, it's interesting, the other morning I slept in a little bit and our oldest was in the kitchen making breakfast and he was taking up space and my wife was getting her cup of coffee and they had the kitchen lights on. And I I was upset, like I was irritated because I hadn't gotten my personal time by myself that I need that. And so that's a boundary that I need to set. So I sequestered myself. I went outside. Another boundary, another area of boundaries is time. How you manage time. Are you on time? Do you plan to be on time? Like For me, if I'm not five minutes early, I'm late. 
and oftentimes I'll make sure that I'm there at least 15 minutes early. If you schedule a phone call with me or a Zoom session, I am on time on the dot. And if something happens where I know I'm going to be late, I communicate as early as possible. And typically, you know, now it's a little different with technology, but if I'm meeting someone somewhere, I know at least 40 minutes to 30 minutes in advance that I didn't give myself enough time or whatever, and I know that I'm going to be a little late. So I immediately send a message when I know and tell them I could be five to 10 minutes late. But that happens rarely because I'm accountable for my time. I plan to be there on time. It's a boundary that I've set for myself, and it's a boundary I've set for other people. I usually tell them I will be there at, say, 2 o'clock, and I'll wait until 2.15 if I don't hear from you. And what happens at 2.15? I leave. I don't text. I don't ask, where are you? Because that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to show up, be there when I say I'm going to be there. And I say, I tell people, I'll wait 15 minutes. I ask, if you know you're going to be late, let me know as far as in advance. I'll, I'll typically wait longer if something comes up. But if you don't communicate, I'm not hanging around. I got better things to do. But another thing around time, and I've talked about it before, is that I don't take calls after 7 o'clock. That's family time. That's time with my wife. Unless something comes up, that's the only time we can meet, and I usually negotiate that with my wife. Another boundary area is health and fitness. So you have the right and you need to put boundaries in place in order to maintain your health, to maintain your well-being. One of the boundaries that I have for myself, and I've talked about it before, that I drink 32 ounces of water first thing in the morning. That's a rule. That's a boundary that I've set for myself. Also aligned with health and fitness is that there are certain things that you will not do. You will not take drugs. You will not, you know, drink alcohol or drink excessively. There are certain things you will not eat. So those are the most common areas for boundaries. Now, you can put a boundary to manage any aspect of your life. And a lot of people have some very creative boundaries, but these are all personalized and you can personalize your boundaries or your limits, your rules for your life to fit your life. But they come through examination, self-reflection. And so the first step you need to take is identify where you may need boundaries, which relationships need boundaries. Are all your relationships the same? Or do you have different behaviors inside an intimate relationship than you do in when you're with an acquaintance or a friend? Or do you have weak boundaries all the way around? Do you have trouble saying no? What are the predominant feelings? And usually you know you need a boundary when you are left by feeling bad. Like you don't feel magnificent through an interchange with somebody. So what boundary needs to be put in place? What limit needs to be put in place in order for you to experience peace, love, and joy in your relationships. And so once you identify where a boundary could go, you identify what the boundary needs to be. What do you need to put in place? And then how do you communicate that boundary? And there's lots of different ways to do it. You can do it abruptly. You can, and it depends, and this is interesting, it depends on the level that it's attacking your self-identity, kind of the threat level. And so sometimes it depends on who it is. 
like in those instances where they were attacking my character. Those three long-term friends, actually, and in, in thinking about it, there were four long-term friends where this occurred. Um, but there's been other times when people have questioned my character, questioned my motives, and I say, well, that's off the table, or I'll explain myself, and they accept it. They honor it. But in those circumstances, they they basically pushed it to a point where I could not trust them, where I did not feel like I needed to defend myself. And that's that's another sign when you're constantly defending yourself. There is a line of a questioning. There is an attack. There's either either you're resistant to actually admitting something or being present with something, or how they're being with you is being disrespectful. And so that's something you need to take into your assessment. You know, the threat level makes a difference on how sternly you are in stating your boundary. And let's assess this threat level idea. Let's say someone invites me to a party and I'm not really feeling it. And so I respond saying, thanks for the invite, but that's not going to work for me. I will not be there. And then if they respond, okay, everything's copacetic, no threat. But if they respond, well, what do you have going on? If they don't honor my first response and they're digging deeper, the threat level goes up. Because from my perspective, they're not honoring my response. You see, I'm not required to give an explanation for a no. No is a complete sentence. And I was polite. I said, thank you for the invite, but that's not going to work for me. That night's not going to work. And people should be able to take that and take it to the bank. That's enough. But if they dig deeper, if they're needling me for a reason to try and persuade me, and sometimes people take it personal. When you say no, they take it personal. But, you know, it's not personal. I can say it, I can say it's not personal. It sounds like a lovely time, but I'm just not going to be able to make it. Why not? You're the life of the party. And they start doing the guilt trip on you. The threat level then goes up because they're now not honoring a second response. And so I feel more defensive. And depending on who they are, I might offer a little explanation. I might say, I've, I've been working a lot lately. I'm a little overwhelmed and I like to take that night just for me. I need to de-stress. It's nothing personal. I said, next time it happens, invite me. Keep me on your invite list. They'll either accept that, and that's good, or they won't. They'll escalate it even more. And they'll start telling me that I don't need to rest, that the party will rejuvenate me. There'll be a lot of fun. Bob and Joanne's going to be there, and, and they'll start naming off all the lists. They'll start talking about what they're going to do. And they'll say something like, you don't need to rest on Friday night. You have the whole weekend to rest. Come out and enjoy yourself on Friday night. And I'll have to respond in an even sterner tone. I'll say something like, look, I just said no three times. I expect you to honor my first no with no question. If you can't honor my no without further questioning, I don't know if I can be friends with you. It's up to me to manage my life. If I say no, I have a good reason. And I'd rather not give an explanation. And I expect you to honor it. If you keep diving deeper, keep questioning it, I find that disrespectful. And to me, that's not a friend. 
And because this scenario was with a friend, I probably explained it a little more than I would with a stranger. For instance, I had someone that came to the door, a solicitor, and it was something about windows or something for the house. And I said, no, I'm not interested. And then they started asking another question. I said, no, I'm not interested. And then they came with another question. And I said, let me put it this way. Fuck off. I'm not interested. And the the guy looked genuinely hurt. Like I ruined his day. Now that touched my heart because that's not really the person I am. I said, look, I didn't invite you here. You're invading my space. You're invading my time. And I told you politely twice, no, I'm not interested. But then he responded, I didn't even get a chance to explain our product line. I said, I'm not interested. I don't even want the conversation. I don't care about your windows. And so do I need to say it again? He said, no, I got it. Now that may sound harsh, but I really didn't want to invest the time in it. There was a time in my life when I would have stood there for 30 minutes listening to it in my mind, thinking, how can I escape? I don't want to be in this conversation but I would pretend to him that I was listening to every word with no intention to go any further. You see, what allowed me to stand behind that boundary with such intensity is that I have an intense respect for my time. I have a reason for that boundary. I have a rationale for that boundary. So for every boundary you have in place, it's important to have a why. It's important to know why and how that serves you. If at this point you realize that boundaries or addressing the boundaries in your life could make a big impact on your life, I mean, it changed mine. It totally changed my life. It affected every area of my life, every relationship. I've just given you a few examples of how it's changed and impacted my life in a positive way. And so I'd like to invite and cajole you into considering taking part in our six-week coaching program being your authentic self with no apologies, a deep dive in establishing boundaries. Now, I don't know exactly when you're going to listen to this. The program may have already started. It may be over. But whatever the case, if you find yourself interested, go to yesdaniel.com and check out what's available. Now, at the end of the six weeks, I guarantee that you will have a more grounded sense of self-identity. You will feel more asserted. You will have a a higher level of self-confidence and esteem. In establishing, setting, and standing behind your boundaries, you will have a profound sense of freedom. Your life will be your own. So consider yourself invited to watch the first module of our coaching program. It's absolutely free. It's a crash course in setting boundaries. It's actually shorter than this podcast episode. And so if you already know that you're interested in finding out more about the coaching program, schedule a call with me. Send an email to support at com and say, I want to talk. And we'll investigate together whether or not this is a good fit for you. And I'm going to encourage you to come to a strong decision. Either way, a strong no or a strong yes. I have no intention of selling anything. It either works for you or it doesn't. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 